525,600 startups. How do we measure the return of a VC? I don't know. Good question. I don't know, but I recorded that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, welcome to Startups of the Week, Season 2. I'm Owen, and I'm here with Holden and Natasha, and this week we'll tell you about a bot who let us enjoy cheap, fast lunch, why Workday said heck no to Adaptive Insights IPO, and we find out what's hip about HipCamp. Welcome back to Startups of the Week, a Chronicle podcast. I'm Owen Thomas, business editor, filling in for Trisha Thadani, and I'm here with Natasha Mascarenas. What's good, guys? And Holden Page, filling in for Alex Wilhelm. Hey, folks. So uh, we are here to talk about startups that are trending this week. Um, Holden, why don't you kick us off? What is the startup that got funding that everyone's talking about? Yeah, so the startup that got funding uh, that everyone's talking about is probably Chowbotics. Um, They are uh, the creators of a robot called Sally. And Sally makes salads for you. Um, In many ways, in my view, it's uh, basically you put in slots of coffee that are filled with lettuce and tomatoes instead. And uh, you get a salad at the end of it. So you're saying it's like it's it's basically like a Nespresso for salad. Yeah, yeah. Natasha, you uh, you actually chatted with the Chabotic CEO quite yes. a bit. What did you learn? So he was his name is Deepak Seeker, and he was telling me a little bit about why he thought of the idea in the first place, which was interesting to me. He would come home from work, and him and his wife would be too lazy to cook dinner. So as many people in the Bay Area would do next, they would jump to going to a robot. And he spent the year making a robot that would help them make Indian curries. I mean, I appreciate that he took it a little further than like the you know the Postmates Uber Eats idea of why don't I have someone deliver food that someone else cooks? The guy like, has over like I think 150 patents, so he's wow. Yeah, so he like knows his stuff. This is this is hardcore. Yeah, he was not casual about it. I asked him. I said, "Did your friends kind of question you while when you told them that you're?" using a robot to make your dinners. And he said at first they thought it was just a hobby, but then we realized what, 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 could, what it could be. <laughs> and Holden, we've seen lots of, uh, lots of investment in like food tech generally, right? They've, it's come up again and again. I think just last week we were talking about Grub Market with Alex, mm-hmm. which is a um, kind of a wholesale uh, food delivery startup. It, it seems like there's a lot of interest. Um, what do you think that is? Yeah, I think that uh, it's an area, right? Everyone needs to eat. And um, we also, yeah, and also like there is this need for more convenience in our lives. Um, Everyone's getting busy. Americans work a lot of hours. Like that's uh, what we're trying to capital. I'm assuming venture capital investors are trying to capitalize on. Yeah, just this mega trend. Here in San Francisco, we've got um, actually something similar in concept called Itza. Instead of a robot, though, it's like the whole restaurant is automated. And very similar to, to Sally, you, you, know, you basically get a bowl of food that's kind of yeah. you know, popped out. Mm-hmm. That um, exists in Boston, too. It's called Spice. It was yeah. made by MIT students, I believe. So a lot, of, a lot of different people are kind of thinking about this from different angles. I guess the question is what, uh, what Chowbotics is going to do to 
get Sally in more places. Uh, so Natasha, what did what did Chobotics tell you about how they're going to spend this money? Yeah, so they recently raised $11 million from investors. The round was led by Techstars and the Foundry Group. And the CEO was telling me that they're going to use it to um, grow their sales teams. Right now it ex- exists in 10 locations across the country. So not very many. Not very many. Yeah. Um, but in his ideal world, they'll put Sally in offices, hotels, convenience stores. His... Um, the way he kept describing Sally was it's like the next generation salad bar and they kind of want to um, build themselves on the idea that you can make healthy food accessible anywhere. And now is Sally an it or a she? So I made this mistake during the interview with Deepak. I called Sally a she and I immediately closed off and said, sorry, it. And he he corrected me. He was like, we want her to be called she, not it. Well, so, I, you know, I think even with artificially intelligent beings, uh, we should respect their pronoun choices. Totally, right? totally. Yeah. I was glad for the clarification. And I followed it in the piece that you'll see with this podcast. Well, good. Well, uh, I think we'll want to jump now to our next category. Holden, what was our deal of the week? Yeah, so uh, Workday, a public company, has acri- uh, acquired Adaptive Insights. And uh, the interesting part about that is Adaptive Insights was supposed to go public themselves. They had really good revenue. Everything was looking pretty solid. And um, and instead, they went ahead and, and got acquired. So, Owen, uh, I know you have some insight as to yeah, why thing? companies would yes. do this. No, I mean, I mean, there's definitely, you know, we've definitely seen it. Um, going public is kind of the Silicon Valley dream. You, you found a startup and, like, it grows up to be its own public company, I think, you know, and you, you as the founder keep control of it. That's what people aspire to do. It's what Facebook did. It's what Google did. Um, but it's not the path for everyone. Workday is a business software company. Adaptive Insights is a smaller business software company. So this is definitely consolidation. Um, we've seen it, you know, we've seen it happen before. In fact, Cisco bought AppDynamics on the eve of its IPO. So a similar dynamic of, you know, wanting to kind of like roll things up, have more offerings so that, you know, you can go and and sell business customers like more and more and more. So it's normal for someone to announce that, you know, that they're going to launch their IPO and then someone else to swoop in. Is that like a tactic? I, I mean, it is. It's high risk because, you know, and it, what is, it is part of the the IPO process for a lot of folks. Um, it's considered like dual track and they, they do shop themselves out to potential acquirers. Um, it, it gives them more leverage, right? Yeah. Because, you know, rather than just say, Hey, do you want to buy us? It's, Hey, if you don't buy us, we'll just go public. And then what's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what is good. <laughs> and, you know, we, we actually saw this. If you, you know, if you go way back in, you know, in tech history, um, PayPal, when it was a startup, uh, shopped itself to eBay multiple times. They can never agree on price. Um, and basically, uh, the, the legend is that every time PayPal and eBay had talks, like eBay doubled the price, but that wasn't enough. And finally, PayPal went public. And then eBay, uh, about six months after it went public, um, made an offer to buy it, and it was a good offer. And, um, you know, PayPal kind of felt like they had to accept it. Um, you know, PayPal, by the way, now is a separately traded public company because eBay spun it out, but they had a long history together. 
Um, so that you know, the the risk is like, oh, th- if you don't buy this before it goes public, it'll get more expensive. That's kind of the game that's played. Now the converse is we've also seen companies, um, you know, companies go public and not do very well. We were talking about food tech earlier. Blue Apron, uh, last I checked, their stock was struggling, and you know this, the meal kit space is very hot. Blue Apron's a well-known brand. Maybe someone bigger will scoop it up. And again, Blue Apron, because it's public, has to answer to its shareholders. They might have to take an offer that they wouldn't necessarily have preferred. Yeah, and we see that too, actually, with Snap as well. Um, Google attempted to acquire the social media company before it went public and raised a big round. They weren't successful. And since then, Snap has kind of struggled a bit to get it together and show growth and all sorts of stuff. And that's stuff that if they were acquired by Google, they wouldn't have to be speaking about publicly, at yeah. least. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there are endless examples and counter examples. I'll mention one more. Facebook tried to buy Twitter when both companies were private for about half a billion dollars. Now, mm-hmm. Twitter is worth a lot more. In fact, their stock has had a tremendous run. Um, you can play all kind of historical counterfactuals. Uh, obviously, the whole development of social media would have been vastly different if Facebook had bought Twitter. Part of the problem there is that uh, Facebook and Twitter couldn't agree on how much Facebook's shares were worth. And that's a nice thing, nice thing about companies going public is it's very clear what the company is worth because the market is setting a value. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus startups where, you know, the valuations are kind of Yeah, I'm thinking about Shark Tank and people evaluate yeah. companies at these mm-hmm. crazy prices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that brings us to our next startup. Um, Holden, what's a Buzzy startup that uh, that's getting a lot of attention? Yeah, so the Buzzy startup is Hip Camp. It is uh, a service where you can find where to camp if you're a glamper, basically. Uh, and the reason why they're Buzzy is they just uh, raised a bunch of money, uh, over $11 million. And uh, they also kind of have a Airbnb look to them. And a lot of people like Airbnb. So I think I'll let Natasha here kind of carry yeah. off with her conversation. So I talked to Alyssa, the CEO, and she did clarify that that's only a small part of what they do is glamping, which I was sad to hear about because I find that very interesting. You're, you're pro-glamping. Yes, I'm pro-glamping. And, and can you define glamping for... Uh, in my for- in, Okay, so in my opinion, glamping would be what you walk into the camp and it's all, all your amenities are there, your food is there, your tent is already pitched. And it's like no a worries. beautiful, gorgeous tent. Beautiful, gorgeous. And you're, you're not cold like during could, the night. You don't yeah. wake up with like dew all over you. Yeah. Can, yeah. So and I also that, asked my how Twitter. How is that different from a hotel? It's, it's, you can see the stars. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's Fair. it. That's, all, yeah. that's the only difference. Um, I asked my Twitter followers. So it's a hotel room with a skylight. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. And some nice background music. Yeah. Um, but what I was saying was I wanted to know what my Twitter followers were into. And 50% of the people who I asked um, what, for what kind of camper they are said that they would rather stay inside. 33% said that they are glampers. And 17% said that they are campers. So the uh, the market potential of glamping may be underestimated. Yeah, or just staying inside. I think people like to say glamping more than they actually like to glamp. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, on the point of this, like, just outdoor recreation space in general, like, uh, back in, oh, man, like, 2013, 
8.9 million was invested in the space, according to Crunchbase data, mm-hmm. and it is up to 44 million um, so since last year. Growing investment. And yeah. Holden, I think you were pointing out earlier, like venture capitalists are big, like trend chasers. Not like, you know, not like trendy trends, but like demographic trends, consumer behavior trends. So, you know, people value experiences more than goods. Mm-hmm. And this kind of fits in that. Oh, yeah. It looks good on Instagram. And I know we're like, (laughs) we're obviously calling it a buzzy company. But what I thought was interesting was that Benchmark has invested in this company, which has invested in Twitter and Uber and Instagram. Mm -hmm. People aren't just calling it like a... Yeah, they have a good track record. Yeah. And I asked Alyssa how it felt to be part of like that kind of crew. And she like, she was very honest. She was like, it's crazy. And it's awesome. Yeah. She's very happy about it. um, There are just a handful of venture capital firms that are kind of brand names in Silicon Valley. I would say it's Andreessen Horowitz. It's Benchmark. um, Kleiner Perkins, maybe a little less than they were in the past. Definitely Sequoia, which backed Apple, Google, Cisco, Yahoo. Uh, Maybe they, I don't think they mentioned Yahoo that much anymore. Um, The, uh, you know, the most famous kind of venture capital round I remember covering was when Kleiner and Sequoia teamed up to invest in Google. So that was very unusual because they usually compete to be the sole, like, you know, or major investor, the lead investor in a round. So for Kleiner and Sequoia to kind of seed, you know, seed space to each other in um, in that investment was pretty unusual. So... I guess the uh, only thing more impressive than uh, getting getting money from Benchmark is getting money from Benchmark and another one of those firms at the same time. That's true. Goals. Another interesting note about their investor um, is they both share uh, Airbnb and HipCamp share Slow Ventures as an investor as well. Um, so they consider themselves the Airbnb of camping. Probably helpful to have an investor. Yeah. She also parties. said that she was like, I would also call a second name would be the matchmakers of camping. Yeah. Slow Ventures, by the way, is uh, is um, a fund that's backed by Dave Morin, who's a former Facebook executive. So it's very important in Silicon Valley to kind of have these connections, um, whether it's you know one of these big name venture capital firms, a little more boutiquey mm-hmm. venture firm uh, with uh, you know well placed principles. It's all about who you know. Yeah. Well, also if you go through their website as well, one of the big things that Airbnb did a while back was offering a million dollar insurance to hosts. Well, you'll see with HipCamp, HipCamp actually offers the same exact thing. So you can kind of see these synergies between like Airbnb yeah, which and HipCamp in a lot of these little, little subtle ways. So, right. Yeah. yeah, which was, you know, which came in the wake of a real disaster. Uh, Airbnb um, had a host whose place was absolutely wrecked by a guest. This was before they had a, an insurance policy in place and they didn't really know what to do and they were kind of, kind of panicking. And um, one of their venture capital investors said, you know, just announce uh, announce an insurance policy. We'll figure out how to get it. Um, and the CEO said, like, should we have a $100,000 insurance policy? And the um, the investor, I believe this was uh, Mark Andreessen, yeah. said, mm-hmm. just make it a million. Just yeah. make it a million. Yeah. <laughs> a phrase I would like to say. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, Airbnb was much smaller then, so that was kind of a scary thing. Yeah. But it created a lot of trust, which mm-hmm. is crucial in these marketplaces. Yeah. Especially. Well, good. Well, I think uh, we saw some pretty interesting trends this week. Yes, we did. Always a food company. Yeah. Always that's a, a food company. Always a food company. But, you know, again, these consumer trends of, like, food experiences, um, you know, in the, in the business side of things, ongoing consolidation. Uh, I think we'll Digital return to this. Digital transformation. Absolutely. <laughs>
Well, good. Well, thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you. We will keep you posted on the latest startups. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com and crunchbase.news. I'm Owen Thomas. I'm Natasha Mascarenas. And I'm Holden Page. And this is Startups of the Week. Killed it. (laughs) Killed it. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred startups.